Welcome to the radio ministry of Cedar Grove United Methodist Church. May God fill you and transform you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now for some music and then Pastor Brian Bowley.
Okay, our um, New Testament reading is 1 Corinthians 9, 16 to 23, and this is Paul speaking. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel I may offer it free of charge, and so, that, so not to make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law, to those who have, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter. He's speaking of Jesus and his disciples. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they, they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you! Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is the word of God for the people of God. Today we'll be learning about the power of God, the freedom that this knowledge gives us, and the joy of proclaiming the good news. I recently read an article in the Financial Times of London. The gist of the article was that almost every leader of the developed countries have high disapproval ratings because people feel trapped in slow-growth economies. And you know, to a large extent I agree with the writer, most people feel financially trapped. They're unable to live the lives that they see on television and in advertising. 
Most people want to travel to those wonderful beaches that they see in those ads. People want the beautiful new cars and pickups that they see on television. And people want a home that has a brick front, two or three story entranceways with brass chandeliers, serpentine stairways, in-ground pools, and a garden that's the backyard. They crave kitchens that are as large as our living rooms, people who mow their lawns and who clean these huge houses. They want to cook to prepare meals for them three times a day, while the children and the grandchildren, they attend schools where they'll be treated so well and taught so well that they'll attend Harvard and then work from our home two hours a day and make a million dollars a year, which they'll share with us. Wouldn't it be great if we could have all that? But the reality, the reality is that our homes need major repairs and paint jobs and our cars will be lucky to survive another year, but we can't afford a new car. Our kids are struggling to memorize the multiplication tables while ducking the bullies every afternoon. Our vacuum cleaner, well, it, it definitely needs replacing. and the, the mower might make it through July. Our vacation travel plans this year are not to go to the beach, but instead to spend a weekend in a tent at North Bend State Park. And tax season's coming up. And one good hit on a pothole will probably blow out that front passenger side tire. And you know that pothole is the closest thing to a pool on the street where we live. Oh yeah, and I almost forgot we need to pick up some store brand Cheerios for the kids breakfast because we can't afford real Cheerios. And while we like Vienna sausage sandwiches for lunch, it would be nice to have a change once in a while. Even bologna seems like a treat most days or a quarter pounder with cheese, all oh, that would be great. Seems like there's nothing that we can do. Most people, it seems like they're, they're trapped. And even those people who are making twice what we make in a year, they feel trapped because, you know, we all made the mistake of living up to and even beyond our income instead of trying to live on half of our income. That, and we relied on our ability to live on the edge by working hard and thinking cleverly and repairing everything and fixing things ourselves. And one day we were overwhelmed when something unexpected happened and we fell over the edge. You ever have a car with duct tape? Yeah. We thought we had everything under control and then we didn't. And everything fell to pieces in our lives. But scripture has some answers for us. Look at what Isaiah 40 says when we start to feel down about our situation. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it been told to you from the beginning? Have you not heard, understood since the earth was founded? God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. You see, it isn't just the average people who are without power in our world. Even the rulers of this world have no power compared to the power that God has. 
It's easy to think that our life is hopeless, that God is just messing with us or ignoring us. It's so easy to stay focused upon what we can do or we cannot do. In fact, we spend so much time focused upon the problems of our lives that we won't take the time to sit back and look around at what's happening in the world around us, what the big picture is, how things really happen, and how things are really not under our control at all. Twenty years ago, Sandra and I had an online business selling inkjet ink and toner. It was a daily struggle. We seemed to be slowly, slowly sinking into debt. We worked from 8.30 in the morning till 9 at night, and then we'd, about half the nights we'd get a phone call for the business around 11 o'clock from somebody on the West Coast that thought that 9 o'clock Eastern time meant midnight. We were so tired. Finally, we decided to move from Atlanta to Lowell, Ohio, to be closer to my parents and to save on rent. And that summer, I found time to be with God. We bought a home overlooking the Muskingum River, and we set up a business in the building on the property. We started selling our ink out of that, biz out of that property. And when the phones died down, which they usually did most evenings in the late afternoon, I'd walk to the front porch and I'd just watch the river flow. And then and there, I had time to think and to learn and to pray and time to listen to God. I took time to realize that God was there and things began to change in our lives. The change came first with this sense of freedom as I prayed to God for guidance and began to realize that the solutions were not all on me. God was there. God had the power to change things that I didn't. Isaiah continues to speak to the people, why do you complain? Why do you say my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not get tired, not be faint. God's power gives us the freedom of the eagles to break forth from what's holding us down, what is binding us, what's holding us bound to just what we see in front of us. When we turn our eyes from the things we cannot do and recognize that God has the power to do anything, then our thoughts need to turn from what we want to do to trying to understand what God wants us to do. For maybe the reason we feel like we're walking through deep mud in our lives is because we are struggling without God. Or even worse, perhaps we're struggling against God. Let's look at our prayers as an example. In our prayers, are we telling God what we want and asking God to make it happen? 
Or are we asking God what God wants and letting God tell us what we need to do to make that happen? In our reading from the Gospel of Mark, Jesus and his four disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they left the synagogue that Saturday and went to Peter and Andrew's home where Simon Peter's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. They told Jesus and he went to her and helped her up. And her fever left her and she began to wait on them. And that evening, now remember, this is the same day when Jesus had driven the evil spirit out of the man in the synagogue that we heard about last week. That afternoon and evening, people brought to Jesus all of the sick and demon-possessed people in Capernaum. He healed many, and he drove out many demons. And early the next morning, though, before the sun rose, Jesus left the house, and he found a place to be alone for prayer. Apparently, Jesus needed to talk with his heavenly Father. And when Peter and his friends finally found him, he told them, we need to go to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's my mission. And so he began going from village to village, preaching and driving out demons. Even Jesus took time to talk with God about the next step in his personal ministry. He asked God what he should do next. And this happens several times throughout the Gospels. Jesus goes off alone to pray. And when he comes back, there's new life in the ministry, new life going on there, a change of direction. Any of you ever have a car or a pickup get stuck in the snow? If we keep trying to go the same direction, we usually don't move so well when we're stuck, do we? But if we change direction, we can often get out of the mess that we're in. To do so means that we have to get out of our nice, comfortable driver's seat. We have to get out of that wonderfully warm car or truck, and we have to look at the situation again from a new point of view. We often need to put someone else in the driver's seat while we take a chance of getting the snow and the mud slung on us. We often need to listen to someone who's wiser than we are, someone who's been there, who's more experienced than we are. And we may need to put our shoulders to the bumper and push, even at the risk of getting mud on our clothes. But the reward, the reward is we get unstuck and we're free again to travel. Now when we're stuck in life, we need to get out of the driver's seat and put God in the driver's seat. We may need to do things that we never ever thought we could do or wanted to do. We need to talk to people that we don't like with all their mud and dirt and trouble slung on us. It takes more effort than just sitting in the driver's seat, but it may be what we need to get unstuck. We have to use the wisdom of God, the power of God, the experience of God to get back our freedom. But that means that we need to do what God wants us to do instead of what we want to do. Years later, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth about his experience preaching the gospel to people across Turkey and Greece. He said he didn't boast that he was preaching the gospel because he was compelled by Jesus to preach the gospel. He'd been told by Jesus to preach the gospel. It was his assignment. It was his mission. It was 
his life. He offered the good news to everyone free of charge. He didn't ask for payment. And that preaching, that preaching in itself, seeing people given their freedom from sin by God, that was his payment. But to be effective, he had to become adaptable. Even though he was a free man, he made himself a slave to everyone so he could win as many as possible, he said. He served everyone. To the Jews, he became like a Jew to serve the Jews. To those who followed the law, he, he followed the law, even though he understood that he wasn't under the law any longer. Like the law said, don't eat pork. He knew that he could eat pork. He wasn't under the law, but he didn't eat pork because he wanted to win those who were following the law. To those who were not under the law, he became like a man who was not under the law to win those people which meant that perhaps today, if he came into a town and wine-growing country, he would drink the wine. To those who were weak, he became weak to win the weak. In all these situations, his goal was always to save some of the people he met, to lead them to Christ, to gain a hearing for the gospel. And he did all this for the sake of spreading the gospel so that he would share in the blessings of being involved in people who were being set free in their lives by the power of God. That was reward enough. That was a great joy for Paul. Imagine that you are visiting an evil country ruled by an evil man. There's plenty of them around the world. Imagine that you've stumbled into a dark, evil prison full of hundreds of political prisoners who have been in prison for years. You are free. Yet all around you are people without hope, people carrying heavy burdens from one place to another as part of their imprisonment. Men and women and children, they're stumbling in the darkness under their heavy loads. They're chained to each other and the, to the prison walls. And then you spot the master key hanging on the wall just out of reach of the prisoners. There's no guards around. The way out of the prison is simple and it's close by. You can set people free all around you with that key, that key that's just lying there just out of their reach. Wouldn't you take that key to the nearest person and unlock their chains, set them free? Can you imagine the joy on that man or woman or child's face as they're set free? Can you imagine the joy, the combined joy of setting hundreds dozens or hundreds of people free. That joy, that joy that comes from knowing that you have done a great and good deed, that's the joy that we get when we lead people to an understanding of the gospel. Some people, you know, they don't want the freedom and the joy that comes from accepting God's power. But many do. And our task is to deliver the key to them, to explain to them the gospel. And like Paul, that is reward enough. And what is the gospel? What is it? The gospel is the story of Jesus. That God does not hate us for our sins, but loves us despite our sins. That Jesus came to earth to teach us this, and then to demonstrate it to us by allowing himself to be sacrificed on the cross as payment for all of everybody's sins against God. 
And then the promise of the resurrected Jesus is that anyone who recognizes Jesus as the Son of God, who apologizes to God for their wrongs and asks to be forgiven by God, they would indeed be forgiven and given eternal life, set free from death to live eternally with God and Jesus who love us. You know, the rest of it's just details. That's the gospel. God's power gives us freedom from whatever is dragging us down, from our burdens, from our chains, from our shame, from our guilt. I want you to remember Isaiah's words. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Use your God-given strength and freedom to experience the joy of setting others free. Share the gospel to all your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, even to your enemies, and you will be so blessed. There's power in the blood, and it's on the screen.
Cedar Grove United Methodist Church and Pastor Brian Boley would like to thank you for listening to last week's pre-recorded sermon. Join us live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and on Facebook. We are located on Route 47, a mile and a half east off I-77, just across from WVU Parkersburg campus. Donations may be mailed to Cedar Grove UMC, 168 Old Turnpike Road, Parkersburg, West Virginia, 26104. Or you can text the word GIVE to 1304-244-1903 or visit our website, cedargroveunitedmethodist.org and click on the GIVE tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you and God bless you in your life.